Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone on the East Coast and the Central Time Zone of the United States, which would include uh, places like Chicago and St. Louis, Missouri, and those that are on the West Coast, I think it's still in the morning for you and mountain time. My name is Kennard. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is April 17, 2010. I plan on probably once or twice a month to, to focus on prophetic events in the world because things are really, really getting bad right now, and I need to do the best that I can to keep those who truly are interested in finding out what God says is going to happen versus what so-called prophets and and, uh, soothsayers tell you. Um, I'm going to do this because I feel it's my duty as a servant of God to let people know what God says is going to happen. And one of the things that you really need to be looking at, uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, and beginning in verse 10. Well, first of all, in verse 7, let's look at the context. The uh, apostles, they were disciples back then, but they were also apostles, uh, which means one that is sent out. In verse 7 of Luke chapter 21, it says, And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be, and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass. And so he told them, if people just believe what he says, he told them what the sign would be. Verse 8, then he said, Take heed that you be not deceived or tricked. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. So he's telling you that there's going to be a lot of trickery, a lot of people acting like they know God, and they're so holy and all that, and and don't be fooled by that. You have to always check and see whether or not a man, and that includes me, is teaching you the truth of God. And the way I do it, if any of you are familiar the way I do Bible study, is I just quote from the Scriptures. That's all I do. And that's all I ever will do. In verse 9, he says, But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. And I do know some people that seem to be terrified. And 
Yeshua, that's his uh, Hebrew name, told us all not to be terrified when we see these things happen. It says, for these things must first come to pass, but the end, the end meaning the end of, uh, of mankind trying to rule himself, is not by and by. Verse 10, then said he unto them, nation shall rise against nation, which means, uh, when you look at the original Greek, uh, family. Let me, let me look that up here. Um, Luke chapter 21 and verse 9 chapter 21 verse 9 Yes, it means uh, a tribe, which can mean also um, people. So people shall rise up against people or families or, or race and kingdom against kingdom. And he stated here, and great earthquakes, and that word great in original Greek means um, great, exceedingly, mighty. And we've had quite a few mighty earthquakes since January of this year. You had the Haiti earthquake. You had the Chile earthquake. They all were over 7. Well, the Haiti was 7.0. I think the Chile one was like 7.8. Uh, we've had one in, in Los Angeles. In the Los Angeles area, in the California area, uh, it was 7.2. People didn't make a big deal about it because not that many. Well, actually, I don't think anyone died in the California area. It's like people seem to only make a big deal or be concerned about an earthquake when a lot of people die. But I say the nay. You should be concerned about it even if anyone doesn't die. <laughs> because this is a fulfillment of a prophecy. And then you had a recent one uh, in China. It wasn't 7.0, but 6.9 is close enough. So you're, you're having some mighty earthquakes here. And even those who study um, earthquakes say that it has never happened this quickly like this in succession. So, so this prophecy that Christ is talking about here is being fulfilled right before our eyes. And he says, and the great earthquakes shall be in various places. Not little earthquakes, great. And then what's coming next, as uh, trend setters or trend researchers like Gerald Salente, and you should look him up on the Internet, G-E-R-A-L-D, Salente, C-L-E-N-T-E, uh, of the Trends Research uh, Organization. He is pretty accurate about what he says about certain trends, in particular about the economy, and he's stating that there's going to be a, a huge crash uh, economically here soon. It could happen by September. He's saying May, so because he, he's not God, he doesn't know, but Yeshua is a part of God here, and he states here, and famines, and famines can be interpreted also correctly as economic crisis, because if you don't have any money, how can you eat? And if you don't have any, if you can't eat, then you are in a famine type situation so that's what's coming next ladies and gentlemen according to what yeshua states here not what canard says what yeshua and he says and great earthquakes shall be in various places and famines and of course when you're not eating properly what happens you get diseases right and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven or the sky okay so these are all things that are going to be occurring soon but this is something that's prophetic too and the duality, because this happened to, to 
his uh, disciples back in the first century, but it's going to happen again. And you know, I guess most people just ignore these scriptures, but they can't. But before all these things, but but before all these, before the earthquakes, before everything else, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you. And that's that's something that's been prevalent among God's true believers. And what I mean by true believers, those who uh, believe in the Old Testament and the New Testament, those are complete believers. You have partial believers and you have complete believers. And when the Bible talks about believers, it's talking about those who believe both the Old and the New Testament and they understand it's all inspired by God. But anyway, and they do the best they can to obey God's commandments and they don't think that God's commandments are nailed to the cross. But anyway, verse 12 of Luke chapter 21, but before all these, these they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues or churches or assemblies and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts and minds, not to think before what you shall answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And then in verse 16, he says, You shall be portrayed both by your parents, by parents. You'll be portrayed by parents. And there's, there's a good bunch of believers that can relate to being portrayed by parents. And brethren, and kinsfolks, these are people of your immediate family that will betray you. And friends, so-called friends, right? And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. Verse 17, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. In other words, the vast majority of who are deceived. Verse 18, but he says this, but there shall not an hair of your head perish. And your patience possess ye your souls. In other words, you will gain eternal life. That's what he's saying. All right, so I just wanted to read that to you. And then what you need to focus on, he says here, when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then you know that the desolation thereof is near. And this is found in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, the abomination of desolation, which has something to do with having to have a temple built because you can't have sacrifices and offerings and have them stop without a temple. So that the, the, the temple of God, as I'm speaking, is being, planned, is being planned to be built. And if you don't believe me, go to www.templeinstitute.org. That's www.templeinstitute.org. They have the priests. They have all the utensils. They even have the red heifer. They have everything that they need or they have access to. to one. They have everything that they need to start building the temple. The temple can be built within three months with the technology that we have now. So that's what you need to be looking at, ladies and gentlemen, what Christ has stated and what is going on with the temple, because prophecy cannot be fulfilled without that temple being built, ladies and gentlemen. So you've heard it from the Word of God here. All I'm doing is telling you what Yeshua has said would happen. That's all I'm telling you. All right. Now, we're going to discuss today a big controversy about when Yeshua was resurrected. It wouldn't be a controversy if people just believe their Bibles, but we know that that's not the case uh, at times with most human beings on this earth. Uh, even the ones that claim that they do believe in God, they, I don't know, they just they look at the scripture and then they say, well, hey, you know, that's not what it means. This is what it means. And, and, and you, you can't do that. You can't do that if you call yourself a, a servant of God. You know, you have to take the scriptures and 
And if you don't understand them, then you need to ask God to, to, to humble you and so that you will understand. So anyway, let's go over these, these scriptures to help us understand when he was resurrected because it's very important to understand when he was resurrected so you can begin the count of the Omer, which I'm going to explain what that is here after I quickly go over these other scriptures. So let's, let's look at Matthew. And then we're going to get into what Pentecost really is, is, or the Hebrew word for it is Shavuot. So anyway, Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 32. It says, And as they came out, they found a man of Syrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were coming to a place called Gogotha, that is the place of the skull, which is near Mount Moriah, by the way, where the Temple Mount is located today. They gave him vinegar to, uh, to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down there, watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and one on the other, and they that passed by reviled him, or blaspheming him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyed the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocked him, and with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness. The sixth hour is uh, uh, 12 o'clock. But we're all into the ninth hour, which is 3 o'clock. And about the ninth hour, which is the 3 o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was quoting the first line of Psalm 22, which is prophetic. Verse 47, some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on the reed and gave him to drink. Now notice that Jesus was getting ready to die right around the time they started sacrificing the Passover lambs. Remember, he is our Passover lamb. So if he is the Passover lamb, then he must be um, killed as a Passover lamb without blemish, a male lamb of the first year. And when did John the Baptist or Yochanan announce that he was the Lamb of God? Well, a year and a half ago, he had stated that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. From that point on, the, the count of his age as a lamb began. So anyway, Verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Now, when he did this, this is around the time when the Passover lambs were sacrificed. At the 14, around 3 o'clock to around 6 o'clock, they were sacrificed. Verse 51, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept rose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now this is symbolic of the first fruits. And 
the Bible does state that Christ, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in... Where is it? There we go. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. So he is the first of the firstfruits. That's what he is. All right, so his resurrection was symbolic of that. But after he was resurrected, there were other people also that was resurrected. And they were the other firstfruits. Now, there's, there's talk. I know Michael Ruth feels that they were resurrected to heaven with him. I, I'm still looking into that. I don't know. But whether they were or not, the fact that they were resurrected, resurrected was symbolic of the fact that they were the other parts of the first fruits that were weighed. Now, I don't know whether or not they were weighed. I know they were weighed on earth symbolically by the resurrection, but were they also taken to heaven with Yeshua? Now, something that you need to keep in mind in the book of Revelation, it talks about 24 elders. Now, an elder is not uh, in any place in the Bible an angel. So that's something to consider as well when you look into that. But anyway... In verse 52 of Matthew chapter 27, And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Verse 54, Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. So now they understand, oh, now he's the Son of God. Oh, it always takes some great sign and wonder, as he stated, uh, for people to finally get it for people to understand who God is, you know. So, but anyway, let's understand what the, the Omer is, because I didn't go over that in detail last week. And this excellent book by Patea Wooten is called Israel's Feasts and Their Fullness. I, I suggest you get this and read or, or at least refer to it as a reference tool. Uh, it, it'll give you a lot of knowledge about what uh, these days are about. On page 157, it says, Yom... A big ear, oh boy. The day of the wave sheaf. Yam Habikirum. Yam Habikirum. I'll tell you, Michael Ruth said these words so well. On the day of the wave sheaf in ancient Israel, the priests waved the sheaf of the first fruits of the barley harvest before the Almighty. This day is called Yam Habikirum, or day of the wave sheaf or the Feast of the Harvest. Yom means, means day, and Bikirim is plural for Bikir, which speaks of the first ripe fruits of a crop. All first crops were Rishiath, as in the head or beginning, but this was the first offering of the year. It was the first of the first fruits Israel offered. This is page 157. They could not keep this day in the wilderness where they ate manna from heaven. They could not honor it until they entered into the land, and stopped eating manna and began to eat of its produce. They were given an omer of manna in the wilderness, and an omer sheaf of barley began their first fruits offerings in the land. Yom HaBikirim is outlined in Leviticus chapter 22, verse 10 to 15. It says, Speaks to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land which I am going to give to you and reap his harvest, when you shall bring in the sheaf, of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, he shall wave the sheep before the Lord for you to be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. 
Now, on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, which is symbolic of Christ, one year old, which tells you that his ministry had to be uh, at least a year or that prophecy in Daniel states 70 weeks. And I know people state that it was three and a half years, but there's no scripture proof that it was. Is a grain offering shall then be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering by fire to the Lord for the soothing aroma, with his drink offering a fourth of hen of wine. Until the same day, until you have bought in the offering of your God, you shall eat neither bread nor roasted grain nor new growth. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, for the day when you bought in the sheaf of the wave offering there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. So, as I explained last week, the wave offering, the first fruit offering, should be on Sunday. On Sunday. Not what Jews have traditionally taught should be on a VF 15 on the first day of unleavened bread. And that 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 is uh, actually, no, they do it on the 16th. They do it the day after the first day of unleavened bread, which is not the correct way based on the Bible and what it says. So, so fulfilled by a single priest on page 158. This day depicts a priest standing alone and waving a sheaf before Yahweh or Yehovah, so the congregation might be accepted. This depicts our Messiah, who is a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The priest portrays Yeshua, just as does the Omer sheaf being waved, for Yeshua is the hidden manna. He also is Messiah, the first fruits. Yeshua fulfills the day of the wave sheaf in many ways. His offering was to be weighed on the day after the Sabbath, meaning the first day of the week, Sunday. After appearing in the garden to Mary Magdalene on that day, he then appeared before our Father in heaven on our behalf. He presented himself to the Father on that day so that his faithful ones might be accepted, both individually and as his congregation of firstborn ones. Sheaves in Scripture, uh, subheading. We first read of the sheaf in Scripture in the story of Joseph's dream. And Joseph saw eleven sheaves bow down before his sheaf. The eleven sheaves represented his brothers who would ultimately have to bow before him. This is in Genesis 37, verses 5 to 11. Uh, Genesis 43, verse 28, 28. As we know, the dream came true when Joseph's brothers had to bow before him after he had become the second man in Egypt and was the one who could save them from starvation. From this we see that sheaves, plural, can present or represent a person or persons. A literal sheaf speaks of a batch that is tied together. The wave sheaf that was to be presented on Yom Hepikirim he- 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 oh was called an Omer. Omer comes from Amar, which means to chastise as if, as if piling blows or piling blows to gather grain and bind sheaves together. Here we again see a shadow of our high priest, Yeshua, in that the chastening for our well-being fell upon him. An omer also is a unit of dry measure equal to a tenth of an epath, which equals about three and a half liters or 3.7 quarts. In this feast, we also see a spirit of giving, for Israel was commanded to lead the occasional forgotten sheep and the gleanings of the harvest in the corners of their fields so that they could be used to feed the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, and the poor. In this we see Ruth gleaning in the fields of Boaz. So on page 160 it says the barley sheaf. The sheaf weighed for, the, for this first of first fruits offering was barley. On the first day of the week following the regular Sabbath, during unleavened bread, the harvest of this cereal grain began. So, sown in the winter, barley was the first grain to ripen in the spring. Because of its 
deep roots. Barley has a tremendous ability to absorb nutrients from the soil, so it gives a healthy boost to those who eat it. Similarly, we who have received Messiah Yeshua as Lord are to be firmly rooted in him that we might be built up, healthy, and solidly established in our faith. So, first fruits were the choices of all and were consecrated or holy unto Yahweh. They were resheth the head the beginning. The firstborn of man and beast belonged to Yahweh, as did the first fruits of the earth. Some first fruits were presented to the priests, and all were to be offered with thanksgiving and praise unto the giver of all things. So, the ceremony to fill the day of the way sheep, the celebrant would take the first sheep from the barley harvest of the priests who had then waved or presented to Yah in the temple, so the celebrant would be accepted. As it is written, He shall wave the sheep before the Lord for you to be accepted on the day after the Shabbat. The priest shall wave it. This day saw fulfillment in the heavens when Yeshua presented himself as the firstfruits that we might in turn be accepted. Yeshua did, did not enter a holy place made with hands, but in heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us. He is the substance of the day of the sheep, the essence of the first of the firstfruits offering. He was raised from the dead, as the first fruit of those who are asleep. As our high priest, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, one not made with hands. He did so to appear in the presence of the Almighty for our sakes. Okay? So that's what that represents. All right, so when we look at these gospel accounts here, we realize, okay, in verse 54 it says, Now when a centurion... Matthew 27, how much time do I have left here? 34 minutes. Okay, um, in verse 54, Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. In verse 55, And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children. Okay. Now, let's take a look at, uh, it says, when the evening has must come, and this was in the evening. Um, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was um, Jesus' disciple. Now, this word even, it means right before dark okay so it's still somewhat the daytime verse 58 he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered and when Joseph had taken the body he wrapped it in the clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb which he had honed out on the rock now if this was what you what you were going to understand soon is that in this particular year he died of Eve 14 but of Eve 14 in the evening is of Eve 15 and in this particular year of Eve 15 of course was the first day of unleavened bread. So that's the reason why Joseph here in this context, and you wouldn't understand this unless you understood how the Jews and other believers of God keep the holy days, this was a foot 14. This is the time when Christ died as the Passover lambs were being killed. And during the, right before evening, and this really should be translated uh, right before evening, okay, uh, in verse 59, and when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in the clean linen cloth. He couldn't do these things on in the evening because in the evening would be the start of the day. According to the Bible, when, there, when, when the evening comes, that's the start of the new day. And, of course, the high holy day, which would be a V15, you can't do any work. So, obviously, this had to be a V14 that he was doing this. 
So, um, and when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had honed out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and other Mary sitting over the sepulcher. Now, verse 62, now the next day that followed the day of the preparation. Now, the next day that followed the day of the preparation, chief priests and Pharisees came together into Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, well, this is, well, yeah, let me read it. While he was yet, after three days, I will rise again. So after three days, he will rise again. Remember that, 60, number 64. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day that not his disciples come by night and steal him away. And say unto his people, he is risen from the dead, so that the last heir shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, you have a watch. Go your way and make it as sure as they. So remember this, that they will have Roman guards guard it until the third day, which you're going to understand being a Saturday. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. All right. So uh, when you look at all the other gospel accounts, well, actually, let's look at this one, uh, Matthew 28, verse 1. And he entered the Sabbath as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. Now, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week means, uh, as it began, meaning uh, that the new day was going to come. All right? As it began means that that day has not been officially um, has not entered into a new day yet. That's what I'm trying to say. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and other Mary and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Okay, and I have another translation here. This is called the Restoration Scriptures, and I think this is definitely translated a lot more accurately than the King James version, which is based on the Roman calendar and Gregor. Gregorian calendar, Matthew chapter 28, it says, In the evening of the Shabbat, and this is the Havdalah, or 6 p.m., as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. Now, the Havdalah in Jewish tradition is a time when they uh, they um, say prayers and, 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 they, and they also make significant statements about the Shabbat ending and then entering into the first day of the week. So that's what the Havadah is, okay? And as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, so this is Saturday evening, came Miriam of Magdala and the other Miriam to see the tomb. And see, there was a great earthquake for the heavenly Moloch of the Master descended from the Shamayim and came and rolled back the stone from the, from the door and sat upon it. All right, so I can read the rest of this. I don't have to read it. The Hebrew there, but anyway, um, verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Now remember, he said he would be resurrected after the third day. That's what he said. That's what the scriptures say. Verse 3, His countenance was like lightning and his raiment was like as snow, and for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, this all happened Saturday evening, okay, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. And so he was already risen before the women came, okay, so that, that that's the thing that I want you to understand. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee there, 
till you see him, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. All right. Um, let's turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 26. Actually, I'm not going to start in verse 26. So I'm going to start. Um, in verse 50, yeah. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. And then the same had not consented to counsel and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man also went into Pilate and begged the body of Jesus, and he took it down. He took it down, his body. And wrapped it in the linen and laid it in a sepulchre that was honed in stone, where never man before was laid. And that day was the preparation. All right, so that was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. Now, this Sabbath that was drawing on was a high Sabbath, as you're going to see in a minute. Verse 15, And the women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after, and behold, the sepulchre and how the body was laid. And they returned, they returned because they couldn't, they couldn't, uh, do what they wanted to do, prepare the body with spices and ointments because it was a high day or a high Sabbath and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. All right, so they, when you understand this, they actually, on Wednesday evening, was the first day of unleavened bread, okay, at Viv 15. Um, they waited until that day was over and then when the VIP and the 15th in the evening came, they returned and prepared spices and ointments. And then on um, on the 16th in the evening, they rested on the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Okay. Now, Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Now, upon the first day of the week, which is Saturday evening again, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found a stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came past as they were much perplexed there. Behold, two men stood by them. Okay, so I'm just showing this to you to, to, to help you understand that he was already resurrected upon the first day of the week on Sunday, very early in the morning. Now, so I just wanted to point that out to you. Now, John chapter 19. John chapter 19. John chapter 19, and verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of, of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus, and there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of mirth and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then they took the body of Jesus and wanted in linen clothes and spices as a man of the Jews is to bury. So, so we get here. So they took the body of Jesus and, and they wrapped it up. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and, and the garden of new sepulcher where there was 
and they laid Jesus there because of the Jews' preparation for the sepulcher. So before Aviv 15, or before the evening of Aviv 14, they already wrapped his body with spices, as of the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now, in John chapter 20, verse 1, the first day of the week come of Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark. So that proves to you that this is still the dark part of the first day of the week. Unto the sepulcher and see of the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Okay? Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said unto him, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes, lying yet went he not in. Then come to Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and see the linen clothes lie in a napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in place. Then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed, for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must, and already didn't understand the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away into their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stood down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeing two angels in the white, sitting the one at the head and the other, where the body of Jesus laid. And they said, Women, why do you sleep? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew that it was Jesus. Jesus said, Why do you, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposedly, supposing him to be the gardener, says unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. Jesus said, Touch me not. And why? Because he needed to, to wave himself as a way sheep offering to God. For I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. So, you know, Jesus has a God too, and that's God the Father. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. And in verse 19, then the same day at evening, the evening of Saturday, or Sunday rather, Sunday evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. So he obviously took a trip, a super trip to heaven, and came back to earth that same time. So it tells you how quickly we'll be able to move with a spirit body one day. But anyway, how much time do I have left here? Uh, 21 minutes. All right. Now, I want to get to the part where it talks about, here we go, in verse 31 of John 19. It said, the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation, the preparation for what? The preparation for um, th that high holy day, and this, that's going to be explained here, that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. For that particular Sabbath day was a high day, meaning that that was a, a, a high day Sabbath, a holy day. Okay? Besought Pilate and their legs might be broken and that day might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of first and so forth. So, so anyway, we know that that particular Sabbath day was a high day, which was the V15, which was the first day of, un of unleavened bread. All right, so 
And let's take a look at another passage here. Mark chapter 15. Verse 42, and now when the evening was come, because it was a preparation. So this, what that means is that the that word wasn't translated properly. It means right before the uh, uh, sunset, because it was preparation. That is the day before the Sabbath. Joseph of Arimathea, that Sabbath, we know from John, it was a high Sabbath. It was a Sabbath of the first day of a holy day. That wasn't on Saturday, okay? Verse 43, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable consul, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went and boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead and called unto him the satyrion. He asked what he had been any while dead. Anyway, verse 46, and he bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in linen and laid him in his sepulcher. And we know that he also put spices and herbs on his body when he did this. And laid him in the sepulcher, which was hung out of rock and rolled a stone into the door of the sepulcher. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, beheld where he was laid. And when the Sabbath was passed, Saturday evening, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the, in the morning, in the first of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. Now that, that tells you, at the rising of the sun, they came to the sepulcher, and very early in the morning. Verse 3, And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering to the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Behold, be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, the place where they laid him. So anyway, you should have a pretty good picture now. Of um, and then verse nine says, "Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, so he was risen early, the first day of the week, which was Saturday night. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene. All right, so that should be proof enough, ladies and gentlemen, that Christ was resurrected on Saturday night. And this Good Friday deception doesn't doesn't work. There's no way you can calculate three days and three nights, three days and three nights from Good Friday." to Sunday morning, okay? So let's let's stop that monkey business and let's use the brains that God gave us here and figure this out. Now, he did say in Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, he stated this, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Very simple, right? Wednesday night was the first night. That was Aviv 15. Thursday is the first day. That's still Aviv 15. Thursday night is the second night, Aviv 16. Friday is the second day, Aviv 16. Friday night, the third night, Aviv 17. And Saturday, the third day, Aviv 17. So Christ was resurrected um, Saturday night, Aviv 18. Okay, because he stated here, in Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, and this is in the evening, not in Sunday morning as people think. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 31. He states this, 
And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So that's scriptural evidence that after the third day, after uh, three days, which culminates in the third day, he would rise. He rose Saturday night, ladies and gentlemen, according to the scriptures. Saturday evening he rose, not Sunday morning. All right? So that is scriptural proof there, and either you're going to believe your own Bible or make up your own little theories about what you think is right or wrong according to the scriptures. But according to the scriptures, he was resurrected after three days or after the third day, which, as I've explained to you using the scriptures, was no doubt Saturday evening. Okay, now, Leviticus chapter 23, we already read that in reference to, uh, well, let me quote again the thing that they... It's interesting that they acknowledge that what the Jews do today is just tradition, and that is not in the spirit of the context of Scripture. Let's let's look at this again. This is in their own study Bible, in um, Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter says uh, in verse 11, for acceptance on your behalf on the day after the Shabbat, the phrase appearing also in verse 15 became a major source of controversy in Talmudic times and still is today. The Pharisaic sages claiming that the word Shabbat is used here in its non-specific literal sense sensation, but does not indicate the weekly Sabbath day, vehemently asserting that the Omer, is, is, uh, which is the barley sheaf offering, is presented on the day after the day of rest at the beginning of the Matzah pilgrimage, namely the 16th of Nisan, and that's nowhere in the Bible. That's what they twisted the scripture to their own destruction. Otherwise, the definite article in the phrase, the Sabbath, would have no reference. Though this view has been accepted, let me repeat this, though this view has been accepted by Jewish tradition, what did Christ say about Jewish tradition in the Bible? The more natural sense of the phrase is that the ceremony was to take place on the first day of the week, Sunday, following the pilgrimage. Okay? The Samaritans and the Karaites held that Sunday during the Matzo pilgrimage was intended, and that is the correct interpretation of that, ladies and gentlemen. That is the correct interpretation of that. So let's understand that. Now, as I stated, he spoke to Mary on Sunday, the first day of the week, he is the first fruits offering, right? So he did it exactly the way the priest did it uh, before the first century. They start confusing it and everything, as uh, referenced by Josephus. Uh, around the time he wrote that is around 70 A.D., stating the fact that they did it on Nisan 16 when they did not do it on Nisan 16 prior, probably to uh, the first century. All right, and what he did is present himself to the Father in heaven in the Father's holy temple holy heavenly temple as the first fruits of humans that would be resurrected with a spiritual body according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, the priests, during the, the day of first fruits, what they did as soon as Saturday evening occurred, around Saturday evening, they began to prepare the uh, first fruits. And then on Sunday, on Sunday, they waved the barley sheaf offering. And this goes in line with what Christ did. On Sunday, he appeared to Mary and said, Don't touch me, because I haven't ascended to my Father in heaven. Yet, in other words, he hasn't uh, presented himself as the way sheep offering. So it all makes sense when you, when you take a look at everything. 
All right, how much time do I have left here? Twelve minutes. Uh, and page 168, it says, The Sabbath controversy and why it matters. Moving to Shavuot, we see a long-running controversy over how to interpret the command to count the days of the Omer. This dispute is based on how to interpret tomorrow after the Sabbath. To solve the problem, we know that based on the dictates of Torah, the proper day to celebrate Shavuot must first, or Pentecost, must meet four requirements. The proper day must be preceded by seven Shabbats, or Sabbaths, not more or less, be the next day after a Sabbath, be a 50th day, be the end of accounting, be the end of accounting begun the day after a Sabbath. Okay? It says the word Shabbat is used in Leviticus 23, verse 11 instructions. It usually means the weekly Sabbath, while feast Sabbaths are known as high Sabbaths or Shabbat. The only exception to this rule is Yom Kippur. The, that most holy day of the year is the Sabbath of complete rest, Shabbat. The weekly Sabbath can also be called a Shabbat Shabbat, but apart from Yom Kippur, the word Shabbat is not normally applied to feast days. Thus, the command to begin the count following the Shabbat appears to mean the weekly Sabbath. Following this me method, the waving of the first fruits, wave sheep will always fall on a Sunday, and Shabbat will likewise always fall on a Sunday, exactly seven Sabbaths plus one day or 50 days later. This is the only way to count the days and have them meet the, the above four requirements. First century Sadducees agreed that the count was to begin on the day following the weekly Sabbath, but the Pharisees argued that it was to begin on the 16th of Aviv after the first 11 bread Sabbath, which is a high Sabbath, a feast, Shabbat, Shabbat. And that's the high Sabbath that occurred during the time that Jesus died. Rabbinic Judaism follows this fixed date custom, but since 11 bread always begins on Aviv 15, 50 days later uh, leads us to the fixed date of Savan 6. And that date does not always follow a Shabbat. Thus, this fixed date counting system often leads to having more than seven Sabbaths during the required 50-day period in the scene to detract from the command to count the days. Okay, so, you know, that, that, that is wrong. And we conclude, it says right here, that the day of the way sheaf, the Yom Hepikurim, the day of the Feast of Firstfruits, is a very important day in our faith. Now, as we begin our count, as we expectantly look toward the feast, to Shavuot, and to the blessed outpouring of the Spirit that is associated with that day. So, I just wanted to read that to you. And Shavuot, to summarize that, because I don't have that much time left here, uh, was an agricultural feast. This is on page 186 of this book. Its association with the giving of the book of the Torah, which was written by Moses in Moab, was only begun by the rabbis much later, in approximately A.D. 270. So they started saying that this represented the giving of the Torah. That's another Jewish tradition. The higher meaning behind this feast is that of us entering into covenant or agreement. It is about us saying, I do, to our God. Our focus needs to be on that loving covenant relationship, more so than the agreed stipulation to that covenant. As for co covenants or agreements, we have two, known as the old and the new. Respectively, they have been maintained by Judah and Ephraim. Moreover, the feature of this feast in ancient Israel was the waving of the two loaves of leavened bread. Understanding of this offering has largely been lost, but is designed to be restored in these latter days. Fulfillment of Shavuot was begun with the giving of the Ten Commandments. It was further fulfilled with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it will be greatly enhanced when all Israel is fully reunited, reunited as uh, Ezekiel 37 prophesied.
We have yet to see a wondrous new grain offering being presented at Shavuot. When we begin to see the truth about all Israel, when we begin to properly honor both of her houses, that's the Jews and also Ephraim, which consists of, as I told you many times, the United States, Britain, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, the countries in Northwestern Europe, and anyone, of course, that accepts Yeshua Messiah as the Messiah. So anyway, she says, when we begin to see the truth about all Israel, when we begin to properly honor both of her houses, we will fully taste of the loaves of Shavuot. Okay. So that that is the, the clear teaching of what Pentecost is all about. Of course, uh, on Pentecost, which happened on a Sunday, uh, Jesus Christ, um, through Jesus Christ, 120 believers received the Holy Spirit. So that's what it also represents. And also represents the marriage relationship that we should have with him, with, with uh, Yeshua. So I, I hope that I've explained in detail here uh, what First Fruits is all about and the fact that we have to get the days right to be able to count properly. Like the Jews on, on their calendar right now, I think they're the day of the Almonds, the 19th day, and when you count it correctly and do it based on uh, not calculation but uh, observing the moon as Deuteronomy 16 verse 1 commands us to do, uh, the count of the Omer, this is the, um, this is the I think is the 14th day of the count of the Omer according to the uh, calendar. Let me uh, look here real quick. And we should, um, every evening, if we want to obey this commandment of, of counting the Omer, um, because how will we be able to to celebrate properly anyway the um, Shavuot or Pentecost if we don't count as God commands us to? And we should always wind up with 50. But when you do it the Jews' way, which is incorrect, you're not going to always get to uh, Sunday. So that's that's when you know that that is done, that you have to do it that way. That it has that's the only way that can be done. And and even Christ, again, as I, the scripture that I quoted, these holy days are a shadow of things to come, but they are fulfilled through Jesus Christ. So if we understand that, then he was resurrected on Sunday as the first fruits on uh, yeah Sunday, which was Saturday night as the first fruits offering. So we, we know that based on that, obviously the wave sheaf offering should be waved on Sunday based on his own experience anyway. So that, that's what we need to do. He is our example. He says, follow me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And whatever he did, you have to understand that it's verified. Now, this is the 14th day of the count of the armor, according to observing the new the new moon properly. And for those that want more information on how to do that, please go to Michael Ruth's website. Um, go to his website by typing in his, his name. is uh, Michael. Oh, I have somebody that wants to talk here. Hello. Okay, you're on the air. Hello, this is uh, Cherie, uh, yes. your wife. Right. I just wanted to um, 
ask you, could you explain a little bit about those people that came out their graves? Uh, I did already. Yeah, you know, I said that, that you know Michael Rood, you know, believes that those people were, were taken up to heaven. I'm still that's still under the investigation right now. But regardless of whether they were taken to heaven or not, the point of the matter is that they represent the other parts of the first fruits that were um, offered to God. Okay, and they could okay. be a part of that first wave offering. Right. That's obvious that they were first part of the wave offering. The question is, were they taken to heaven with him? I don't know. Okay, so that's something that, that that's under investigation still. I have to right. look at other scriptures and so forth. But it's so obvious the that they were part of the wave offering. Because the whole days do represent um, things to come. Right, I understand that. Foreshadow of things to come. So we know that God intended the holy days right. to have special events to happen on them. Right. But see, Christ, he was waived first because if he wasn't waived, all the rest of the first fruits were offered, uh, weren't accepted. Okay. That is correct. So, yeah. so you know, let's let's focus on that, and that's key that he was waived first. Before you, you just can't take them all and say, "Hey, they're going to be accepted." He had to present himself first. So that's the reason why I'm still investigating that. Okay. But but in terms of again, you know, this says it's elders in heaven, right? There's no right. angels that are elders, so we have to put this all together. You know, I just want to make sure that we have scriptural evidence. Are you and referring to the 24 elders right. that's at the end in Revelation when it speaks of that? We right. know that term doesn't refer to humans. It has exactly. to no, you mean angels, you mean. I mean, it doesn't refer to angels. It refers to humans. Right, and so where do those elders come from? See, so that, those are things that I'm still looking at. That, that may be some extra biblical sources from the Apocrypha and Pseudographica and other sources that we can come up with. To, to, to I'm sure there's some place where there's, there, there's some pieces of the puzzle to put this all together. Okay, well, that's all I wanted to ask. I'll talk yeah. to you later. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, so that was my wife. Uh, she always challenges me, and I, I like that. And uh, But the, it's a possibility that um, that those individuals that were resurrected were taken up to heaven. I have to look into that some more. I have to look into that some more. So anyway, I hope that... Uh, I have explained this to you in a way that um, you would better understand about uh, first fruits and also Shavuot, that they're really interwoven together. And you can't celebrate one without the other, basically. I mean, you really can't understand one without the other. Uh, they both go together. And Yom Yam Habikaram, that's the way I'm going to pronounce it. Yom Habikaram, and you can pronounce it other ways too, but that's the way I'm going to pronounce it. Yom Habikaram, which is the day of the wave sheaf. So, and then Pentecost, which is uh, Shavuot. So I hope that you have a better understanding of these days. We're going to go into the fall festivals next week. And if you have any other questions or concerns, feel free to give me, uh, ask you can email me at canard at mercifulservantsofgod.com. May God bless and keep you, and I will speak to you next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. 
and ye shall tread down the wicked. For they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 